Like Twitch can be so finicky sometimes. Or really OBS. It's twitchy. It's yeah, twitchy. It's Yeah, I don't like watch a lot of streams, so I'm sort of all getting, right. getting used to all those quirks. Yeah, all right, we we're back. I, I think yeah, yeah. I, I checked it out on my thing. I think we're good now. Yeah, all right, we we're back. I, I think yeah. yeah. Now I get to hear my weird voice <laughs> as it echoes in the thing. <laughs> oh gosh. All right, uh, sorry about that, guys. It looks like we had some weird uh, network era there. So, you know, Twitch is being twitchy. Jokes were made. The coolest things happened uh, when, you know, the screen was blank. Uh, mm -hmm. So, you know, it's we can't really recreate that. Um, someone pulled out a guitar, but, you know. There was a great horned owl just swooped in. Yes. <laughs> Scott's me. Yeah, I taught it to talk. Yeah. <laughs> it was amazing. Uh, you know, really can't say anything more than that. Uh, but nonetheless, we so we just had done uh, talking to to Rich about uh, musical influences of bands and such, and I think Scott, um, you had some things to say as well. Oh, um, yeah, I know it's cliche to be like I listen to everything, but I listen to everything. Um, <laughs> so as far as the influences for this go, I mean, like I said, the I, I was in this giant glam kick. So it was like Bowie and T-Rex and all that stuff. Um, but this time around, I'm trying to incorporate more stuff uh, than just that, like, like ELO. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, a lot of prog is, I mean, what's, what's interesting is uh, uh, sometimes hearing, you know, when other people pick up the game, we've had more times than I can think that somebody's picked up and been like, oh, this is like this band and it's not a thing that we, had ever thought of and just kind of like I, I guess I don't know like yeah I don't know I think at one time I heard somebody like pick it up and was like oh this is like a dire straits RPG I'm like <laughs> if you say so you know um, sure 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 definitely not what I was thinking that is um, a supplement I have lined up is the, <laughs> the dire straits but I mean I, I'm working on the thin Lizzy one too mm, yes yeah oh, what's kind of like the the weirdest uh, I guess um, influence that someone talked about uh, oh god uh, i'm sh i i know there's one out there but i i i it'll come to me i'm sure um i think someone wanted to make like a, a graham parsons country themed one or something <laughs> oh yeah we've got we've got, we've got a couple people because there was uh in the 50s there was a guy called the legendary stardust cowboy oh yeah who was like one of the first like space pop artists he was actually he was actually doing that like a little bit even before Sun Ra started doing that in uh in jazz and his music isn't great um certainly uh, you know but um but yeah he like he wore this like glittery cowboy outfit and, like wore it just outside like he just walked around like that which I think was just amazing like a champ um, so there's yeah there's uh there, are, there, are, there are some some aspects of that. I, I'm, I'm gonna think of what I know that there's one that's on the tip of my tongue that was like very, very weirdly jumped out at me. But I'll probably have, I'll probably just shout it out at some point. Just later. randomly, sometime later. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I, I, Go ahead, Scott. 
<laughs> oh, uh, I've, I've found aspects of the whole Velvet Generation thing in every genre of music at this point. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we've, we've found like <clears throat> Deltron or Donovan or just about every genre has like some aliens in it. <laughs> that's fair so one of our, our fans and actually a, a player from from the game uh asked how you guys uh feel about theremins <laughs> i've never really considered my emotions regarding theremins <laughs> we, we need uh, to examine this i built a theremin once from a mail order kit Ooh. and it didn't work oh that's, that's unfortunate. Uh, I'm not good at electronics, so I just did it according to the instructions. And when it came to figuring out what I did wrong, it was never going to happen. <laughs> so I have a theremin that doesn't work, but it's beautiful. Uh, I always thought it was like a weird, like kind of novelty. But then I like it, probably more recently, thanks to like YouTube and stuff, I've seen videos of people like literally playing a theremin like oh, yeah, as yeah. a and you know it was always just some weird like sound effect and some spacey music yeah stuff like that for um plus uh i've seen at least one very good video of a cat playing a theremin um if you haven't seen the cat playing a theremin video look it up yeah <laughs> we'll see if we can find it and put it in the comments <laughs> just splice it in yeah yeah <laughs> all right so um in terms of Velvet Generation, uh, is this a reimagining of Footloose, or is there some deeper political meaning to be found in this game? All right, so it's so it's kind of um, it's kind of a weird story with that. So timing wise, when the first version came out, uh, we started writing it in mid two thousand. And it was, yeah, I mean, it was like concept album, goofy kind of, I mean, not Footloose specifically, but obviously we were thinking about that in that vein. Um, and I remember uh, since back then there wasn't a lot of like electronic distribution, we were just only focusing on printing books and coming out at Gen Con. And we were originally going to try to come out uh, Gen Con 2001 um, and we got delayed. So we pushed our... Uh, delivery date out one year to come out in Gen Con 2002. Uh, and, you know, right after Gen Con 2001, it's like some things changed in the world. Um, some stuff happened. So yep, there's, yep. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, all of a sudden we we're like, <laughs> all of a sudden the like sort of, you know, fun times, uh, you know, goofy um, uh, concept started to feel a little bit more real and there were point you know lots of times we were like you know we're kind of racing against reality here a little bit uh and so it i mean you can't tell from reading the book now but like we can tell just like what parts were written before and what parts were written after that mm-hmm. um and they have a different tone <laughs> um but i'm working to make sure that it doesn't read that way yeah, yeah. and then uh it's, it's fun yeah yeah it's, it's yeah it's it's i mean there's there, there's a, there's a little bit of a tightrope you do have to walk when you're talking about, you know, you're talking about a totalitarian government, you're talking about fascism, you're talking about repression, you're talking about a lot of things that, um, you know, do really affect people's lives now. Mm-hmm. And um, there's some ways that you could fall into like sort of 
parodying that or making light of it. Um, so we, it's it's an interesting like tightrope to watch to walk because uh, you know we do want to make the game you know it's supposed to be fun it's supposed to be enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, you are talking you know you are when especially when you get into like the revolutionary rules and like how the ministry affects the players. Yeah. Um, you get into some stuff that uh, you know it is really real and you know there's mm-hmm. uh, we have uh, one of like. In addition to sort of the um, uh, safety mechanics that, that are that we're, we're writing into it, there's like especially one part where we're um, you know where we encourage groups to get together and talk about the kinds of things that could happen mm-hmm. um, when you know the authorities start messing with you because some of that stuff um, uh, might not be a thing that people want to include in their escapism, um, or it might be a thing they do want to include so that they can then say fuck the man and burn it all down. Um, but that's for individual groups to decide. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, it, do as like a, a GM, I do appreciate that kind of in the mechanics and, and kind of in the, the tone of the game. Because, you know, I, I like the, the fun, uh, you know, just rocking out uh, aspects of the game. But I also love the, you know, fight fight the power and, and doing kind of getting in that revolutionary, uh, revolution type uh, of play. Um, so having that in the game was really cool for me, at least. <laughs> yeah, that's um, that, that's what we're, what we're what we're going for is like you know you it's it becomes a little bit more okay we feel to put the more serious elements in because you're giving the players a way to fight back. It's not like it's you know we're not we don't want to make a game where it's just like hey here's some misery porn. Um, yeah. Here's, living under this uh this terrible regime and by the way there's nothing you can do about it um sort of like a socio-political world of darkness yeah yeah <laughs> oh uh, gosh world of darkness <laughs> uh, and that was the thing that we were missing in the in the, the 2002 edition that we're uh, really looking forward to people yeah. getting their hands on this time around which we're really excited about um so you have uh two factions uh that are kind of uh uh factions that the players can explore the the blue army and the velvet um are there parallels to be drawn between malcolm x and martin luther king concerning kind of their approach oh that's heavy (laughs) (laughs) Um, let me drop that you guys want to drink first (laughs) (laughs) malcolm x never actually i mean he was accused of it but he was never actually like a terrorist so um i i would say i mean not, I mean, that wasn't, you know, I wouldn't say that's like the number one sort of uh, mode of thinking, but we are, I mean, we are like, um, <laughs> I would say, you know, the phrase by any means necessary probably does apply to the Blue Army a fair bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but, we, you know, one of the things that, that we're, we're that, that, that we do want to do with this is we want to like, you, we're not explicitly saying that like it, I mean, it's not it's not a violent, not a particularly violent game. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the characters, uh, the protagonists, are always going to be outmatched in the violence department by the by the authorities. Um, but we're also not saying that that is never an option, mm-hmm. right? Because um, character, you know, you do have to defend yourself, and then also sometimes, you know. There's uh, sometimes the situation will call for it. 
Um, and the game, we're hoping that it presents it in such a way that like, that is an option. If you go to that option very much, you end up calling down a lot more trouble on your head than you would if you took the slower, yeah. safer route. Um, but you know, sometimes your back's up against the wall. Uh, so we weren't necessarily trying to connect it to like individual, you know, philosophies or um, uh, sort of theories of change, but you can see bits and pieces of a lot in there, I'd say. It's not even really like extremism versus centrism either. It's because uh, they both believe the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, they're both radical. You know, they, they both have a radical agenda. Um, the Blue Army just is more more likely to pursue it with uh, uh, some maybe more extreme tactics or something like that. But, um, you know, the, yeah, they're not... No one... No, <laughs> No one in this game is advocating uh, that people try to uh, vote the ministry out of office. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> We're going to impeach them. <laughs> That's no boss. Yeah, yeah. That, that works. <laughs> All right. So uh, someone who is watching right now uh, wanted to know, what was, um, where did the idea of the Star Children come from? Um, mostly... Like, Man Who Fell to Earth or Ziggy Stardust, to be honest. Because that's kind of the seminal alien musician. Mm -hmm. I have a, the, like, for, the, what, for me, the idea, uh, there, there was one, I don't know, did we talk about The Explorers? I think it was called The Explorers. There was a, I think it was that's a Steven Spielberg movie. Where the kids make a spaceship out of garbage. They make a spaceship out of an old tilt-a-whirl. Because they have uh, like a force field generator. And yeah. It turns out that's all you can need. Yes. They, they build this, the, this kid invents a, a thing that makes like a force field bubble. Mm -hmm. And they decide that the, the first thing they're going to do with it is put a uh, bubble around this um, uh, uh, old tilt-a-whirl cart and loaded it down with snacks and stuff like that. And somehow they fly it up into space. So they're in space, but they do get, they get picked up by these like really weird looking green skin, rubbery aliens uh, who are obsessed with earth pop culture. Um, and uh, they, for them, it was all like old, like forties and fifties movies. Like there's a, one of these aliens just talks like Humphrey Bogart. Um, I think there, there's, I think there's like a little Richard uh, uh, musical appearance in it. Not him himself, but like yeah. there's that. Um, so I when in in the the vein of aliens obsessed with Earth pop culture, that was what was on my mind because I watched that movie about ten times when I was a kid. <laughs> we'll have to put that down in the account so people can yeah, watch it. I, I I have not seen it in probably about thirty years, uh, so maybe it's terrible. Uh, <laughs> Maybe there's, you know, I mean, it was a movie from the 80s. Maybe there's a segment in there that's just, like, extremely racist that everyone forgot about. I'm um, sure there is. Yeah. Yeah. Not many movies have aged well. So I'm not, I'm just going to say <laughs> I'm not endorsing everything that's in it just in case. But that did. Just stop. watch the aliens part and then just kind yeah. of carefully watch everything else. <laughs> Any type of director who grew up in the 50s like, hey, you know what's fun? Something racist happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's but, hard uh, going back. But yeah, I'm always thinking about because you know when you when you're growing up and going to the planetarium on field trips and stuff, they're always like, right now 
Yeah, Alpha Centauri is just getting episodes of I Love Lucy. And then, you know, you start thinking about that. And uh, then you start thinking about that when you go home and watch terrible crap on TV. <laughs> and you're like, oh, no, what are we doing? Uh, so that's, and like in Contact, um, when they first get like, yeah, television transmission back. And they zoom out and it's a swastika because the first transmission was the Berlin Games. And they're just like, there's space Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's no space Nazis in this game. But yeah, just Earth Nazis. It is, it is fun to think about the fact that we are just spewing stuff out. And um, in this game, the time doesn't really make sense uh, because our signals go through like a wormhole or something. So they're hearing them almost simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had to we had to figure out how it took them a hundred years to get here and they're getting here exactly a hundred years after these signals left earth and you're just kind of like uh wormholes i don't know <laughs> um, i mean shipped faster but yeah. no we didn't so i mean if there's ever a problem in sci-fi just uh throw a wormhole in there it'll wormhole. Yep. yeah it'll solve it most likely <laughs> it'd be like the wormholes don't work like that you'd be like prove it yeah <laughs> show me on the graph <laughs> <laughs> Do the math or get out. Yeah. Uh, so you guys uh, had some interesting mechanics with the game, uh, and I had a lot of positive feedback concerning it. Uh, how did you design the mechanics of it, and what were kind of the main influences there? Uh, it was... So we read all the reviews of uh, the 2002 version and uh, apparently committed more of them to memory than we thought. Um and it was one i mean it was the system is completely different uh from from what it was before um but it was one of those things where there was a bunch of people who said like oh this is a really neat idea like you know you don't really even need the rules and i was like well but i wrote the rules um and i was like yeah you're right you know (laughs) (laughs) just go with it (laughs) but one of the things that stuck out that a number of people had said was that it would because it was it came out sort of right like in a particular time where um, just a couple years after there was a lot more experimentation, a lot more thought that went into like what goes into an RPG. Like we be, like we were playing a lot of Deadlands before this, like right before this, like World of Darkness was out. But like stuff like, you know, a lot of like indie boom of games came out sort of like right after that. Um, but we were still sort of clued into that community. And one of the things that people were saying is that like, you know, if you're, if I don't remember who said this specifically, but it was, uh, might've been Ken Height, uh, who was just like, if you're playing a band, then the rules should feel like you are a band, mm-hmm. um, that you're all collaborating on something, which is not a thing that a lot of RPGs even did, but it was kind of an interesting idea that stuck out. So we made that goal number one started at this time and I um, uh, started with the idea that like I wanted I wanted to instead of you know the, the thing that happens in a lot of RPGs is there's a lot of a lot of games will have like the rule where you can spend your action helping somebody else yeah sort of doing your own thing um, but I don't recall a, ever playing a game where it felt like that wasn't like a consolation prize like a thing that you would only do if you're completely screwed in a lot of other cases or, mm-hmm. you know, that was, it was your only option. So I was like, the first rule is going to have to be that everyone is always helping or being helped by the other mm-hmm. people in the band. Um, 
And everything's sort of like built out from that concept. So I was like, well, if you're gonna be doing that, I need the mechanic to have, have people always have something, have the thing that they're, the dice that they're working with and the dice that they're helping with. So we came up with the, like the matching thing um, after playing a lot of like one roll engine games like Rain and uh, uh, Wild Talents. Um, and then it just sort of spun off from there. And then also I was watching Voltron, Legendary <laughs> Defender, uh, when the relationships thing came to me because I'm watching this and noting that, you know, the thing that pulls them through in every one of these fights is like how they feel about each other and how they relate to each other. And like that even, I forget their names, even the two that like really hate each other, you know, really don't like each other, the fact that they don't like each other helps the group. Yeah, it yeah. Hurts. Like, I'm, 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 I, I, I'm so mad at you that I'm gonna try really hard to make you look bad. That still helps the group. Like, the group is still better by the fact that they feel strongly about each other. Yeah. Um. So that's where the friend and lover and rival relationships came from. Also, in uh, in Velvet Generation, you for some reason only formed the line for like five minutes at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's an important. Uh, we haven't written that in yet, but oh. it, you, could, you could just be the lion all the time, but you won't. <laughs> uh, so that, I mean, it was really interesting mechanic, and you know, uh, while playing it, I, I really liked the fact that there was more involved with kind of like the community and relationship aspect than other games I've played. Um, and geez, Louise, the relationships flashbacks concerning my own times and bands <laughs> uh, that is the thing so so this was the your stream was basically the first it was the, i think it was like the of this iteration for sure like the first time i think either of us have really been around a completely separate group playing yeah like not the playtest dude um where like uh, so it was it was an interesting thing to see, but even even outside of that, in demos and things like that, every time you explain those relationship rules to somebody, they're all like, "Oh yeah, I know exactly what you mean." Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm glad that that uh, uh, is at least successful at hitting a chord with people. Yeah, yeah, it uh, it did. It does its job. I've never been in a band, but I have a lot of friends who are always in bands, and uh, you hear a lot of stories. And it's kind of fun to see like them come out in the game. Like, oh, that guy's got this relationship. Almost all of them are enemies, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, lovers, it seems like. Yeah, I feel like, uh, you know, we should just replace all the relationship with different aspects of rivalry. And uh, yeah. you pretty much got your average band. <laughs> the rock scene doesn't have enough lover relationships. It does not, no. Especially if you're hearing about them after the fact. Yeah. <laughs> you got a, a Fleetwood Mac situation going. Um, yeah, we do have a... I don't, I don't know if it's in the demo that we put out mm -hmm. yet, but there is a rule in there that, like, if two characters have a relationship of a certain strength, uh, you can just sort of, like, decide... Uh, that you are going to change the type of the relationship without changing the strength. And you just have to role play a scene where you like yeah. make that happen. So, um, you know, you can do that either because it comes up naturally in play or, you know, there's even like weird tactical reasons why you might do it. Um, but, you know, and uh, 
one of the uh, early backers in the Discord chat named that the Nick's Buckingham rule, um, where you just, you know, you turn your lover relationship into a rival relationship, and it's it was a five before, and it's a five now. <laughs> uh, you'll never break the chain. <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> like the reference. <laughs> Uh, so we we talked about your your previous version of uh, Star Children Velvet Generation. What are kind of like the the biggest changes other than kind of like the card system to dice? Hmm. One was bringing the revolutionary stuff to the forefront. Definitely, saving the world is more of a thing now. Yeah, it was. It was in the setting and it was mentioned that you're part of this revolutionary group but you never you know one of the concepts i didn't hear till after we came up with this is you know system matters kind of thing uh that if you're going to have something be an important theme in the game it needs to be part of the game um so whereas before we were like hey here's some like revolutionary missions you can do um there was no way to connect that with like actually go out reach out and impact the setting it was a very um you know the the very 90s mindset of my game's going to have this huge meta plot but you're mm -hmm. not allowed to affect it yeah in described ways mm -hmm. um so one of the things that we knew that we had to do was give you a way to punch back basically and uh, you know it's a it's a it's a role-playing game that you can win mm -hmm. yeah you, you can actually take down the ministry as part of the game um that's one thing i think broadening out the musical influences and stuff like that um uh and a lot of the cultural touchstones has been another mission uh that we've had with this um just kind of tightening things up mm -hmm. uh, setting wise not a whole lot has changed uh it's just a little more more vivid and Fair. Oh, wait, one, one other thing. In this version, and in, in the last version, this was not true. In this version, it is expressly true that you cannot play a cop. Oh. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> there is no we had we I think we had we had a we had a cop background where you could play like, you know, you're the the local officer who sort of cops me like, no, you're not you're you're playing a member of a band who is a revolutionary. You're 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 not playing a cop. Oh yeah, that, that's fair. Yeah, that that's that's an odd kind of pairing. <laughs> well, and that was it was a very like you know sort of '90s sensibility too, where like if you're making an RPG, you try to model everything that could be in that setting. Mm -hmm. Try to like pre-guess what you know some people are going to want to do with the game, and I'm like, well, if if somebody. If somebody picks up this game and, and, and decides to do that with their character, that's their business. But um, we don't actually have to encourage every single possibility. We're not writing a GURPS book here. <laughs> Which is cool if you like GURPS. Yeah, but, yeah. Like, uh, we didn't... Like, in this game, you playing music and performing gigs is how you advance, mm -hmm. literally stat-wise, the same way, like, fighting is in D&D. &D. Uh, it is how you accumulate the power to fight back against the ministry. So like we are, if you wanted to play the game and not be a band of musicians, 
you would have to do some work. Yeah. I find a way, but it, it's on you to do that work, basically. <laughs> Uh, so one of uh, another individual watching, um, uh, their question is, and I, I know uh, uh, only uh, uh, Rich played in a band, uh, but during your uh, in real no, life, no, I was never in any band. Not, oh, neither of any band. Not <laughs> plays more music than I do because he owns a keyboard. Yeah, the band. All right, yeah. now I'm gonna switch up the question. Uh, <laughs> did you guys ever get to do something rebellious? Uh, that you can I, say online. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if this is um. <laughs> this is a gateway to some really bad stories. <laughs> I mean, my time in Ireland was no. Um. Yeah, I mean, I don't like. I've never thrown a brick through a window or anything like that. Um. I. I used to put uh, Twinkies and cupcakes on the rail tracks because they didn't want to eat them. <laughs> Not a Twinkie. As a kid, and just to watch them go splat. That was uh, pretty, I, pretty edgy. I may have. I, I, I did encourage somebody once to vandalize a, um, uh, a, a package that had been left in the in their apartment building that was very clearly for a gender reveal party. Mm-hmm. Um, she just wrote it's a boy congratulations on it <laughs> um, because because of gender reveal parties um, uh i yeah no probably no large-scale uh revolutionary activity on my part um but you know that we uh, can say online that we can say online go to, go to, like dsa meetings I don't yeah know. yeah um nothing I went to a chili cook-off once. That was ooh, oh man, that's. Uh, are you sure you want to talk about that online though? That's no, it was. Yeah, that's tough. Some great, chili. some good socialist chili though. Socialist <laughs> chili. You guys shared that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was on Facebook, so you don't have to do much digging to find out I like chili and socialism. <laughs> Both are good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I feel like I had a couple questions. Like, I, I, for some reason in my mind, you guys were. I was imagining two people who looked like variations of David Bowie. Um, you which, mean like, we don't? Uh, I mean, <laughs> it's a little I, bit. I, I see somewhat of the of the resemblance, and of course, there's a uh, David Bowie up up there. <laughs> um. Uh. No, I, that was one one line that was in, uh, this was Ken's review in one of the first reviews in 2002. He uh, said he imagined the two people writing it as these like old, stuck in the 70s, like ex-rockers, basically. <laughs> um, and then when he finally met us and found out we were quite a bit younger than him, uh, was surprised. <laughs> How I shave did- off this beard, I look exactly like Ken. <laughs> How many times does this happen? Uh, a lot. Yeah. Um, I'm glad that people, you know, like if, if, if people pick up this book and think that, you know, we've actually uh, played music, um, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for them to have that misconception. Um, but I uh, barely ever was able to play a few notes on my uh, bass guitar that I had when I was in junior high. And I can play the opening riff of paint it black on a on an irish flute 
and that's it. That is very specific. <laughs> yeah, as far as I got. I can play the theme to the film Gremlins on my keyboard, uh, and that's about it. I can also make some nightmare sounds in Ableton. And that sounds cool. Which isn't an instrument. <laughs> Thing. Uh, so going back to the beginning, um, how did you two meet? Uh, we met in high school. Yeah, I don't even remember meeting you, to be honest. Just always was there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, we met through your... I knew your brother before. I knew Chris before you. Mm. Through, like, high school theater. And, but yeah, just high school. I think we just wound up at the same parties. And... Yeah, I, I totally went to parties in high school. Oh, I remember now. I was uh, walking down the street with a bag of groceries with a baguette sticking out. Uh, and you were riding your bicycle, but you were yes. reading the newspaper at the yeah. time. Yeah. We ran into each other, uh, and then we picked all up all our stuff, but we switched our uh, our stuff. Yeah. And then we um, had a... Yeah. It was awkward, but it was meant to. <laughs> it was a baguette. Um... <laughs> Yeah, sorry. The, the actual answer to the question. No, <laughs> no I, I like that. <laughs> I was working as a waitress in a cocktail bar. Uh, yes. no. Don't you want me? <laughs> uh, so, you know, I, I, was, I was checking you guys out, and uh, I saw, uh, Rich, you were involved in some uh, indie game design uh, circles. Um, I forget the specific name, but maybe you can help me out with it. Uh, yeah, the Indie Game Developer Network, IGDN, uh, I'm the treasurer. It's a good group. Uh, we've got a little over 100 people in it. Um, it's uh, essentially, I think, started. it started as a much smaller uh, idea of just a few publishers basically getting together to, like, um, share resources, share, um, uh, you know, to be able to distribute their books uh, through retail, get convention space in a way that like isn't really affordable for small publishers, but it's grown from there. It's grown a lot from there. Um, you know, we have a um, you know our, our number one uh, mission right now is you know championing uh, diversity in the game design community. Uh, we have a lot of outreach efforts that we still do all that logistical stuff, uh, which is really cool and is a, an absolute godsend for um, publishers who you know like. Like, I mean, back when the first, when Star Children came out in 2002, like we, we rented a booth at Gen Con for two years straight. And just the, the cost, the financial cost of doing yeah. that, not to mention getting the rooms and everything like that <laughs> is more, more money than the book ever made, like easily, right? Um, whereas now uh, with, with, uh, with IGDN, you pay some money and you get some space in the booth. But, um, but like I said, we've, we've sort of expanded from there. Uh, one of the, you know, we do the, uh, the Indie Groundbreaker Awards every year uh, at Gen Con where we, um, you know, recognize some people, you know, really making some interesting waves in the indie game space. Uh, last year we sent, I think nine, um, they're gonna kill me for getting the number wrong if I got it wrong. <laughs> uh, we sent nine, uh, uh, aspiring or or just you know pretty starting out um, game developers 
um, to Metatopia. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Metatopia. I have heard about it, uh, but I'm sure others haven't. So please explain away. So Metatopia is uh, this really, really great event put on by Double Exposure in um, Morristown, New Jersey. Uh, every year, it's uh, usually right after Halloween. Um, and it is a not a game convention. It is a game design convention, basically. Um, the sort of big central activity is that uh, you go there and you bring a game to test. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not demoing a game. You're not selling a game. You're not just running a game. You're deliberately bringing something that's incomplete that you're still working on. Uh, and most of the people there are other game developers. There's board game developers, card game developers, LARPs, RPGs. Nice. Um, and basically, when you sign up to go, you are not only um, running your event, but you're actually basically obligated to, not, not, I mean, obligated sounds like it wouldn't, something you wouldn't want to do, but like your, your role there yeah. is to also play in other people's games and there's structured feedback um, for what people are looking for uh, and how to help. And um, basically like every, everyone who goes is sort of like, they, they sometimes, they, the organizers put like, like if you go to this thing, someone calls you on the phone and works out what your schedule is gonna be with you. They ask you what kind of games you like, ask you what kind of games you're into uh, and what you have experience with. And they're like, they put in a ton of like real human brain power behind. Yeah people into uh into the the right games it's been it was huge i went for the first time in uh 2016 2017 uh and then me and scott and uh dan hamlin another developer on the game uh went last year and it's just like i that first year i hadn't done any i i very very little with the game we knew that we were going to do it uh and number one the fact that we had that pressure sort of kicked my ass into getting something out there uh and i went out there with like way less than i would expect being able to actually show to anybody Mm -hmm. but i did it and um you know the feedback sort of like refined i think we tested music and just the basic rule system uh, there was no character creation or anything like that, just the how you roll dice, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and even that, you know, through three sessions of it was uh, was fantastic. And then by the time it came around this past year, we were able to test out um, the character creation system, um, nice. mostly of what we still have in there. But this conference is so, so useful. Um, you know, not like there's the testing aspect. It's also just kind of like a great networking event. Everyone's in the same hotel. Um, you're all hanging around the same bar, restaurant, lobby area every night. Um, and uh, it, it helps people sort of break into the industry. I think probably uh, more new projects are born there every year than probably at any other event. Um, but bringing it back to IGPN, one of the things that we do <laughs> is uh, we run a scholarship every year um, where we kick in money, we solicit... Uh, sponsorships from other from like game companies uh and we were on a gofundme where we uh, basically collect a bunch of money and we you know specifically seek out designers from marginalized communities people who would not be able to make it on their own um and we get them there so they can um, 
you know, run their tests and, you know, get all the advantages of, uh, of attending. And yeah, like I said, last year we sent nine people there, nice. uh, probably aiming for about that same number this year. Um, and yeah, no, um, IGDN is a great organization worth looking into if anybody's a designer and looking to do stuff. Also crazy positive. It was like the most positive gaming environment I've ever been in. Oh yeah, yeah. Metatopia is like, um, yeah, just really, really supportive. Really, really just creative energy everywhere. Yeah, that's good to hear because I feel sometimes in kind of like the, I mean, the, the hobby and game designer community, there's often that that feel of uh, competition. Like, you know, if if I if you succeed, that means I don't succeed and stuff like that. So it's really good to hear kind of the uh, the cooperation and then the love there. Doesn't feel like that crowd goes to Metatopia. I mean, like, just kind of like as an example, <laughs> the first time I went out there, um, I uh, made the decision to go really late in the in the game. It was it was um, probably about three weeks before it actually happened. Uh, got a lift out there from uh, from a friend in town, uh, Eric Simon, who also had just published a rock and roll RPG. Mm-hmm. And while there, ran into, I think, three other people making rock and roll RPGs. Um, and, <laughs> and, then, and then last year, maybe like two more, I think, um, uh, uh, Mabel and one other person had, had both been talking about doing these. And it was great because like, at no point were any of these, like none of us were ever just like, oh no, there's competition in the rock and roll RPG space. I'm just kind of like, <laughs> You know, every one of these games felt different. Mm-hmm. Um, every one of them felt like they would build off of each other. I wanted to mm-hmm. buy every one of them. Um, and it was, uh, yeah, it was a really great, like, really great experience like that because every, everyone is super supportive of everyone else. Fantastic. Yeah, that's always good to hear. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, for so for those watching, uh, once again, we are we are speaking with the guys from XIG Games, uh, Rich Ronello and Scott Leeton. Uh, so feel free if you have any uh, post any questions. Uh, though we are coming up kind of at the end uh, of the talk here. Um, but you know, uh, hopefully, Velvet Generation will be coming out Gen Con. That's our goal. Um, yeah, we had um, we had a pretty ambitious. Uh, release schedule originally planned uh and um we did partly because of the uh rigorous play testing that we learned how to do through metatopia um uh we had more revisions to do on the game than we thought uh originally um so you know like happens with a few <laughs> with, with some game projects where uh we push the release date out um to gen con uh, that's looking pretty good. We have three events running at Gen Con. Uh, so if you're coming, check it out. Um, and <laughs> yeah, that's our, that's our, our, our goal. And I mean, like, as, as, as you saw on the stream, like the game that we're, we'll be coming out with a fully playable preview version pretty soon. Um, Mitch, you got the, the preview of the preview, uh, <laughs> for the stream. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's in. It's it's essentially very close to the stage where we're going to send it out, send out the preview uh, for, uh, you know, blind play testing. Just basically, 
anyone who you know putting it in front of the the eyes of people who have not yeah before um gets you a different level of feedback from playing it yourselves uh so we're looking forward to that and once that happens we will be entering the final stages of getting it done mm -hmm. um but it will definitely be at gen con uh regardless uh we will as soon as we know things like exactly how many pages it's going to be and how much it's going to weigh we'll have uh pre-orders up uh and stuff like that in the meantime the first edition the 2000 edition is available pay what you want on drive through rpg so seriously just take it for free we don't care <laughs> yeah and i'll have that in the links for for those watching on, on youtube and later for for both those uh items pre-orders as well as uh checking out the the drive through rpg the previous version um so what's next i mean you got gen con coming up that's kind of of course kind of the sun on the horizon but do you guys any have any ideas like what's after that uh, you know, I don't think we've really thought about it. We have, we, I mean, there's, there's a few random ideas kicking around. Uh, we don't have anything, uh, planned to write. I, I have maybe a fifth edition D&D I want to do, but, um, trying to exercise those thoughts from my mind as much as possible right now. Mm -hmm. Um, cause I don't, this isn't really a full-time gig for either of us. So, um, yeah, uh, there's that there's. Yeah, there's a few, I'm many learn, possibilities. I'm going to learn bicycle repair Ooh. and uh, conversational Japanese. Oh, nice. Yeah. No, it's, neither of those are true. What? No, come on, man. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, it's, it's back in 2002, if you were going to do something like this, you had to put a lot larger like percentage of your life into it because you had to get it, you know, you had to look at getting a book that was printed on a printing press uh, that you had one shot at putting out. You didn't have, you know, there wasn't social media, there wasn't Kickstarter, there wasn't any of this stuff. So like you're putting a lot of your own money and a lot of your own time on the line for something you didn't really know how it would work out. Yeah. Uh, and with our children, it worked out fine. It, I mean, it broke even. Uh, which is better than most RPGs do, uh, I guess. Uh, we still have a lot of copies sitting in the basement, um, which will be going out to Kickstarter backers for this one as well. Um, but it's it's nice that we're in a situation now where if you have an idea, you can workshop that idea You know, in communities online. You can um, seek out collaborators who you didn't know you know, at all before. Um, mm -hmm. Speaking of IGDN, great for that too. Mm -hmm. um, you can put early editions in front of people's faces. You can get the money that you need up front. You can do all these things. And it's like such a different world now, um, which is, is pretty great. Um, oh, I know one thing I'm going to do right after we come out with, uh, right after we do this will be, and you, you saw a, a preview of this, the system that we have I really like it. It's worked out really great, but all of our play tests and all of our, uh, most of our like gaming experience is all like in person. Mm -hmm. uh, and we don't do a lot of like online or streaming games. Uh, so one of the things that I realized early in the uh, 
process was that that group pool idea of the dice sitting in the middle of the table is actually kind of hard when you're not in the same room together. Mm -hmm. uh, so one of the first things I'm going to do is uh, write uh, plugins and extensions for Roll20 and probably Discord Ooh. that handle that for me. Yeah, um, when because, you do, let us know because we'll, we'll we'll play well, it again. When I do, I'm gonna need some uh, some uh, feedback from people who have tried to run it online. So <laughs> I'll be in touch. Um, but um, fortunately, uh, that looks like it shouldn't be too hard to do. <laughs> yeah, because I remember last time I was like, all right, I had the group pool in the chat. Uh, it was on paper and everything. Well, and that's why I mean I, I think I mentioned it. Uh, I might have mentioned it to you. I, I was like, "Hey, no one's ever done this before. Uh, we're really interested to see how it turns out." Yeah, uh, yeah. and it needs it it it, it needs some uh, some supporting tools, but those can be built. Yeah, but it was a lot of fun. I I think they really loved it, and the kind of having the the lead and the backing and the the relationship between those two, it was so dynamic in the way that everything kind of came together. Yeah, the, I, I, one of the things I've been psyched about is how it makes it okay to not always have the spotlight on you. Yeah. Um, that, like, you have this, like, back and forth. And I don't think anybody I've ever seen, because I've run through a lot of sessions where people make their discographies and stuff like that, mm -hmm. and I don't think I've ever seen anybody, like, really make, like, one, one set of characters always the leads and one set of characters always the backups. Um, but I think that even if you did that, like both groups are, both of those roles are contributing and having fun with it. They're mm -hmm. just doing, they're contributing different things yeah. to it. I mean, if, if you look at other systems, right, you know, especially, uh, I mean, I've been playing uh, Chronicles of Darkness recently. Uh, and like when you assist somebody, it's only like a plus two or a plus three. And you're like, yeah. Yeah. You're using your whole yeah. And, and this, it really felt like even though I'm kind of in the background playing my base, I'm, I'm adding a lot in my success. The success of the lead wholly depends on, on the backup success, um, oh, yeah. which I, I yep. really love. We've run through in some of the playtests some like really odd situations where it's like, what if um, I haven't done? I haven't. One of the things I want to test is is a a full on solo act um, and see see what it would be like if one there's one player <laughs> on a on a bar stool not designed to be played that way. Um, We're in suspended. Um, but well, there's there's like there's a there's a. a podcast called uh table for one mm -hmm. um hosted by jeff stormer uh and he does a really interesting thing with uh with it which is it he runs sessions that are one player games usually where the player is the designer of the game or a mm -hmm. designer of the game um and it's just a podcast where it's like he's running a one person game and <laughs> we were talking about it a little bit and we're just like how would you do like in this game that's designed for this collaboration how would you do that and i think like both simultaneously we were both like prince <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know how well the rules support that but we knew exactly who the character would be <laughs> what about morris day and son prince just just prince <laughs> <laughs> that's fair that's fair I, I would like to see that if that happens please post it so i can watch <laughs> it'll It'll just be like a. It'll be a, a sad sounding like podcast of me in my office just rolling dice alone. <laughs> it'll be one of those podcasts people used to go to sleep. Yeah, yeah. The sound of dice rolling. 
Right, I'm just getting ideas for like late night channels and shows. <laughs> you're you're gonna do, we we'll 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 team up. We'll do the the Twitch version of Norwegian slow TV. Yes. <laughs> rolling some dice. Whatever, whatever the gaming equivalent of like logs just being sawed. <laughs> <laughs> Next up on Penny for a Tale. <laughs> for the next thirteen hours. <laughs> TV for dogs. What if there was like a role playing game for dogs that you could like? You're just reading out loud to your dog to make him think of squirrels and things. I mean, I heard about just recently a LARP for uh, that you run you pl- run with goats. <laughs> um, so I I am signing up for this. <laughs> yeah, I just don't know if they'll be min maxers. It's kind of hard to tell. Like goats, they just they just seem like they might be. <laughs> Yeah, one of our our fans says gaming ASMR. I, <laughs> yeah, I was on I was on a channel for about like five just, minutes just watching it. Like, what am I watching? You know, I I've done a lot of gaming that has ASMR in it. Yeah, that's just what happens when you chew too close to the microphone. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's Doritos like, and dice. Yeah, the Mountain Dew. <laughs> All right, well, that's uh, we, we've come to the end of it, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Um, uh, Rich, uh, Scott, I, I do appreciate you guys hanging out with me uh, this evening. Um, well, thanks for having us. Yeah. Uh, do you guys have anything you guys wanted to plug before we were kind of out? Uh, well, I think we plugged the game a fair bit. Uh, we're on Twitter at velvet underscore gen, uh, G-E-N. Uh, we are on Facebook, if you just search for that. Those are we don't update them as often as we probably should, but as the game uh, sort of comes to a head, uh, we will. Um, they're probably the best place to check for when things go on pre-release, uh, uh, pre-order and stuff like that. If you are in or near Chicago, uh, I am running demos of it this Saturday um, <clears throat> at uh, an event called uh, Level Leader Dimension Door. We have uh, links to it on uh, Twitter and Facebook. It's in... Uh, uh, my neighborhood in Bridgeport, um, there's a lot of other uh, designers and stuff doing demos and play tests, and it is this Saturday starting at 1 o'clock. Excellent. And those links will be, be right in the bottom for people to check out. Yeah. Scott? I don't really have anything to plug. Uh, while you're here, visit a SoundCloud. Uh, not my SoundCloud, because I don't have one, but there's a lot of good SoundCloud. Just visit SoundCloud. Visit SoundCloud. Just go. Uh, I have a I have a t-shirt shop. It's uh, Rocket R O C K I T dot Threadless dot com. I think I should probably know. <laughs> um. Anyway, yeah, I don't have that much to plug. Check it out. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> And before we go, uh, Rich, I, I love the, the, the fingernails. Uh, oh, thanks. Really I, cool. <laughs> I invested in the UV light and, and have yeah, actually, thing is great. actually gotten okay at it. So Nice. I got one, too. I'm yeah. getting cancer. Yeah, Scott, <laughs> I love the, the, the rainbow. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, I have a little bit blue, but no one can ever see it. I saw so. the last one. Yeah, it was, it was really obvious in the... Uh, <laughs> It was really cool too because like all the all the hair, the headphones were inside the hair. So it was like 
They were just glowing red. <laughs> really. Yeah, that that's very painful to do because I really just gotta like brush the the living <laughs> hell out of my hair, and that was my wife. And before, it's just like tears out of my eyes before oh. makeup. <laughs> You're suffering for your eyes. Yes, exactly. It's you know, it, it a... I wanted to make sure I, I get got into the the character of being in a band. Oh, yeah. You did it, man. You did it. <laughs> all right, guys. Thank you very much. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you'll find all the things we talked about, the links and everything, just below if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, it'll also be posted on Facebook uh, if you're so interested. Uh, please follow, like, uh, pre-order. Uh, Velvet Generation is an amazing game, and I encourage you guys to check it out. Uh, Rich and Scott, I guess I will see you guys at Gen Con. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Bye, everyone. Bye.